0: What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Greetings. I'm so happy that you have decided to watch with us today. There is a word from the Lord, and I'm going to have the privilege of speaking to you out of the book of Mark chapter 4, the 35th verse, all the way to the 41st verse. So let's get ready. I'm going to pray just before we get into the Word of God, and then we'll take a moment and we'll read this text together. Father, I pray that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, let the words of my mouth, meditation in my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer, and every glad and happy heart say amen. All right. Um, Do you like taking tests? Now, I know almost 100% of everyone that is five and up has taken tests. Now, many of us, when we take tests, we excel. Or maybe, perhaps, you freeze. Or perhaps you cheat. Here's what we know for sure we're all going to go through life and have to be tested. Sometimes it's our morality that's tested. Our, our confidence is tested. Our manhood is tested. Our womanhood is tested. At some point in your life, when you receive information or instruction, the next thing that happens is a test. Now, I don't know about you, I sometimes have test anxiety. And up to 40% of people actually can have this type of anxiety. And it can cause you to just forget everything that you had previously learned, because the circumstance, the stress of the test, or the circumstances of your environment prevent you from being able to think or function. Today, as we look at the Scripture, we're going to see Jesus, the great teacher, Called by some in his generation, rabbi, giving instructions and then administering a the test. Now I'm going to give you a cute little observation right when we start uh, ministering in this scripture, and and hopefully you'll see one of the joys of Jesus being your teacher when you're taking a test. All right, let's go ahead. Let's read Mark 4, verse 35 through 41, and also. Chapter 5, verse 1. Let's read this together while you're at home. Here we go. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, or tired as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, and they woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing?' And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "'Peace, be still.' And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, "'Why are you so afraid?' have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Chapter five, verse one. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Now, I love this. This is a pretty picturesque scene. um the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus spent most of his life. His home w- was nearby seventy percent of his ministry was somewhere around the sea. I've been on the Sea of galilee it's It's a place that's very relaxing yet at the same time you feel Jesus there. This is a place where he was. Preaching what we would call the Beatitudes, one of his greatest sermons. This is where we uh, received the Sermon of the Soils, which represented the hearts: stony ground, the the the, the hard ground, the, the the thorny ground, and the good soil. And now he's beginning to give them a lesson. And here it goes, um, verse thirty-five. Let's look at it together. On that day, the day that he was teaching, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. One of the first things we observe about Jesus is that he's willing to give us an open book test. He didn't tell them to go over to the other side. He said, after I've been teaching and preaching, let us go over to the other side and the other boats were with him. Jesus is always trying to instruct his disciples, but he's always trying to take a bigger crowd of people with him for the testing. Here it is in verse uh, 36. And when leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him, leaving the crowd. Sometimes, We want to stay in the place that we are because it feels successful. He already had success in his ministry. People were getting healed. Uh, Demons were being cast out. Um, He had the multitudes following him. And somehow it's easy to get comfortable in a place and stay there. Jesus knew that these very disciples were the people he was going to leave in charge of the world or to preach the good news to the world. And he knew that he had to condition them to not only receive his message, but to act on his message. And, and what, what he began to do is when, when their ministry was at a height, when he had the influence of all the people, Jesus told them, let's take a test. I want you guys to get together in the boat and let's go to the other side." I wonder if they heard what he said. Do you remember the things that Jesus said to you? Well, I know that they remembered the things for at least the moment that Jesus said to them because they took him, tired as he was, into the boat. What that simply means is they didn't worry about um, him eating and packing. They just got in the boat that they were ministering from, and they just started sailing to the other side, even though Jesus was weary and tired. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't wait until we're at full strength to give us a test. You see, what we're going through is called the pop quiz. That's when the teacher has done all of the instruction. And when you have been uh, at the, uh, in, the, in the classroom learning and you should be full of information, he says, all right, close your books or, um, and let's take a pop quiz. But in this case, I don't think he would say close your books because I think he's the open book. So here it is that Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. I think about the disciples who had to act on what he said. Do you for yourself remember what he has said to you? I remember when I was in Detroit and I was in a moment of prayer and God began to speak to me. He said, James, prepare to move to Nashville. He said it to me three times and after the third time I, I, I got up and, and I started preparing myself uh, over the next several weeks to move to, to Nashville, but somehow I didn't remember what he said and Nashville became Atlanta. Because Atlanta meant that's where I wanted to go. Did you hear what he said about your life? Or are you listening to what your adversary says about your life? You know, as we begin as a church and as a community to begin to regain our life and take back our economy and, and, and get back to our jobs and, and our businesses or to dream again, a dream outside of the house, you might be comfortable. And you might not want to move. but this time for you to take this open book test and remember what the Lord has said to you and go get in the boat. I want you to get active. I want you to not just think that uh, you've had the best the Lord had to offer, that yesterday was better than today. Today can be just as great. You know, one of the things that was an awesome feature about Jesus is he never forgot who he was he never forgot the things that the Lord said about him. You know, they, they, they asked him one time about who he was, and he says, I'm greater than your father, Abraham, because before Abraham was, I am. And that was him saying that he was God, and that, was, that made them indignant. And all throughout John, Jesus would say stuff like, I am The resurrection and the life. I am the the way, the truth, and the life. I am the gate. I am the the bread of of heaven. Um, He will always remember who he was. Do you remember who you are? Or has life given you such a blow? Has life taken something from you that causes you to forget who you are and what you were assigned to do? Jesus had to get him to take the test because these were the men, again, who were going to take the gospel all around the world. See, the problem is that when we hear the Lord, we forget to meditate on what the Lord is actually saying to us. You know, mention it to yourself over and over again, um, keeping the Word uh, before you. Um, or we, we forget to memorize the word. He said, that the word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, we fail to uh, meditate the word. I love how Joshua one eight says it. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but you shall meditate on it night and day and observe to do all that is written. Then you will make your way prosperous. You'll have good success from muttering the word, from meditating the word. You know, when they're taking this test, I'm wondering if they remember to mention the word, to memorize the word, to mutter the word. I'm wondering, do you remember to mention the word that God spoke to you? You know, when he told me to move from Detroit to Nashville, I had it for a moment, but I lost it because I wanted to go to Atlanta to be a part of my favorite ministry. You see, I want to know, did you hear what he said? You know, verse... 3 in Mark, so Mark 4 verse 3, one of the things he says as he's teaching them is he simply says, I want you to hearken, or I want you to listen with the intent to obey. I believe that we somehow think that when we are hearing with our physical ears, that it's the same as listening. Listening simply means you not only have grasped the intent of what he said, you mean to apply it to your life. And I'm asking you, are you listening to the Lord? Are you hearkening to what the Lord has to say? Because here's the good news. He's saying something to you, and he's telling you to get ready to move. And some of you are stuck in the place of confinement. Some of you thought that you would never get out. But Jesus is saying, don't get stuck here. If you're successful, don't get stuck here. If you're, you're discouraged, it's time to go to the other side. And something is great on the other side. Now, I want you to look at verse 37. You see, Jesus tells us to go to the other side, and Jesus is in the boat with us. So we obviously, as disciples, have heard what he said. You're going to get up, and you're going to do something. And here's what happens. Verse 37 happens. And a great windstorm arises, and the waves were breaking into the boat, said that the boat was already filling. Now, this makes me mad. Jesus, you told me to go somewhere. You told me to start a business, but you did not tell me the business would begin to fail. Jesus, you told me to move to a city, but you didn't tell me that I would have a hard time finding a job. Jesus, you, 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 you told me to begin to... Um, Get physically fit, and I bought all this exercise equipment. I couldn't do anything with it. You see, all of a sudden, when the Lord has told you to get up and go to the other side, there is a demonic wind that will come against you. And I'm telling you that you might not want to face opposition, but Jesus had already given them an open book text In, in, in Mark chapter four. He told them that when the word is sown, when he begins to tell you to do something, he says immediately Satan comes to steal the word that was sown. He begins to try to take the word of God that was given to you. When he explains this parable to them privately, he said, this is the word that is sown by the wayside. He said that when Satan comes immediately to steal the word that you do not understand, what is the word that you don't understand? It's the word that you don't apply. It's the word that you don't mention. It's the word that you don't memorize. It's the word that you don't mutter. It's the word that you don't act on. It's the word that you act as if you never received opposition will always come with the word, and I'm getting you ready, church, to move. I'm getting you ready to grow. I'm getting you ready to prosper because moving, growing, and prospering is a word to you as an individual. It's a word to our church. This is our season to rise up and not to shrink back. So whatever wind is coming against you that's telling you that your uh, stimulus check was not enough, that the, the, the insurge of opportunities within the economy is not enough to break you free, I'm telling you it's a lie because Jesus is in your boat. Maybe you forgot, but I'm here to remind you. I just feel like I want to say it again because I felt a little power on it. Jesus is in your boat. So the winds will come. Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. A wind will come, and you have to understand, I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and it's beautiful, and it's calm when it's calm, but because of where it's located, how deep it is, 150 feet deep, and, and, and then you got Mount Hermon that's at the top, and it's got snow cap. It, it's just got volatility. Do you know that when that opposition came that Jesus had to be aware when opposition came, that it would come, he had to be aware that they were going to face a storm that was filling their boat. This is not them imagining that perhaps maybe I'll go down. This is them going down. The boat is filling up. Can you imagine the other boats that are around them having losing their confidence, seeing that the lead boat with Jesus in it is sinking? Somehow, sometimes it feels like the people of God They don't begin to prosper, but they've got a promise to prosper. I want to remind you again, Jesus is in your boat, no matter when. Now, let's see how Jesus does this. Let's look at verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep, on a cushion. So Jesus is already teaching them with the open book test of what you do when a storm comes up, and he's already said that you should be going to the other side you know what you should be doing? You should be doing exactly what Jesus is doing, sleep on a cushion. Now, I said that in a very, very matter of fact, easy way. But when the storms of life come come to me, I don't always find myself sleeping on a cushion. But Jesus, the open book test uh, giver, is showing you how you act during a storm. He is sleep on a cushion. You know, while I'm telling you it's an open book tester, because remember, he was preaching the Beatitudes, and he was preaching about faith and, and, and seed sowing, and he, he taught about a farmer. He said, a farmer sows seed, and he goes to sleep. He rises night and day. The seed begins to grow, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, and immediately he puts it to sickle, for the harvest has come. Jesus is actually acting on the very word that he had given the disciples that they had the privilege to act on. But remember, it's an open book test. They're seeing Jesus sleeping on the cushion because they should be resting. Even though the storm is coming to your life, rest. Even though there's no peace in your life, I want you to rest. I, I don't mean that your rest is without work. Your rest is a rest in faith because God has said it, that settles it. Jesus knew he had a mission on the other side. So he was resting and let's see what he did. And, he, and they, they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, teacher, you don't care that we perish. You don't care that we die. I know if you're anything like me, when the storm comes on me suddenly, one of the first things I'll do is look to the God that I know and say, do you see this? Are you aware? Do you care? I know, I know. It's difficult sometimes to believe that he cares because he allowed the storm to come. But remember, it's a test. It's only a test. It's just a test. It's only a test. Jesus is in your boat. So here it is. They're trying to rebuke Jesus. They're they're challenging Jesus. They're telling the teacher, the test is fixed. No one can pass this. We need to be graded on the curve or you need to throw this whole thing out. Ah, it's not working. Teacher, you're not caring about us. You're making the load too hard. Verse 39 gives us a little hope. Because see Jesus knows what he said. He did this. He knows what he said. He did this. And he awoke. See, first time it said they woke him, but now he's awoke. In other words, it's kind of like he was groggy. Now he's sat up on the bed. And the first thing he did, didn't say anything to the disciples, but the Bible says that he rebukes the wind and says to the sea, peace be still and the wind ceased, and there was great calm. I love, this word rebuke is the same word rebuke that is used every time Jesus is casting out a devil. I love that he rebukes the wind. He, 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 he's able to take authority in the unseen realm, in the spirit realm, in the demonic realm. He, he's able to see what's kicking against you in the invisible and speak into the invisible and bring peace out. Can you imagine? It's like him saying, Peace in me be. I am peace. I'm the prince of peace. He, he that keeps his mind stayed on me, I'll keep him in perfect peace. I don't know what your storm is. I don't know what the demonic wind is blowing through you. But Jesus has promised to keep you in peace. Even though you can't see the storm, even though you don't know which direction the wind is coming from, Jesus, the author of the wind, is helping you with this open book test, know what to do. When you see a demonic, unseen wind, you don't know what's hitting you from where, you don't know what to do, you rebuke it in Jesus' name. And he also is able to speak to the natural sea. See, the power of life and death is in the tongue, and they that love it eat it true. He took power over the sea. He was powerful, but guess what? The same power is resident in us. He's only illustrating for the disciples through the open book test what they could do because he could do it. Jesus said to them in another term, he said, the works I do, you'll do in greater. This is nothing for you to be able to control this element. I want you to know he knows what he has said. He knows what he has said. He knows what he said to you. He knows what God has said about him. And he hasn't changed. And the demonic storm that you're going through or the physical circumstances that are impeding your progress in society or on your job or with your family. They don't have an ultimate authority in your life and you, just like Jesus, can speak to that unseen world and bind it up. The Bible says whatever we bind on earth will be as bound in heaven or whatever we loose on earth will be as, as loosed in heaven. You can take authority over these unseen things that are trying to hinder you and you will win with peace as physical things, you still win. Let's look at verse 40 and 41. I love this. Because he knows what he said. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Why are you cowering? Why are, why are you full of anxiety? Why are you debilitated? Why are you giving place to a spirit I did not give you? There was no part of my lesson that was about fear having authority over you. This this, this is the wrong answer to the test. I'm grading it now, and you are supposed to have faith in this blank, and now you have fear. You're afraid. Have you still no faith? That's like Jesus saying, you started out not understanding me. You still don't understand me. I told you in verse three, four and three, it said, hearken, listen with the intent to obey. You know what happens to us? Um, we, uh, one of our pastors is a, is a, uh, is a licensed psychologist, um, Pastor Keith Tower out of Orlando, Florida. And he came and he gave us some statistical understanding of what communication and listening is like. He says that we can listen or we can comprehend it about 500 words per minute said, but we can speak at 125 words per minute. That leaves us 375 words a minute to just be preoccupied with other thoughts as we're still either speaking or taking in information. In other words, you can be physically listening with your ears with no intent to hearken to what God is saying, because you're Thinking him. And instead of filling the blank in with the word that he gave you. Remember, the, he says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by word from God. Did you hear what he said? There's opposition to what he said. He knows what he said. Did you hear what he said? Then you would be able to have faith. But how is it you have no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to the one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? But I love this. Remember, Jesus is in the boat. And he said, they traded in that fear of the external circumstances, the demonic and the physical for a reverent fear. This is what this uh, honor for God. I love that Jesus in the open book test leaves you that bonus question, that bonus opportunity. That even if you failed all of the other questions, he kind of gives you this opportunity but what do you feel about me? And they feared him. They understood that, you know what? We may have failed this test, but we didn't fail because Jesus was in our boat. And let me prove that further as I close with the revelation that I get from uh, chapter 5, verse 1. It's very simple. It's real easy here. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country, of the gatherings. Do you mean to tell me because Jesus was in the boat, they made it? Because Jesus is in your boat, <laughs> you're going to make it. I know you're going to face opposition, but do you remember what he said? He remembers what he said. And because, and when Jesus is in your boat, You can always have what he said. He's in your boat. You can have what he said. James Lowe made it to Nashville, Tennessee, fulfilled a portion of his calling by beginning to lead this church. Just all things that God said about me opposition all along the way. You're going to reopen your business and you're going to get back to the level you were and exceed. You're going to grow academically. You're going to receive that degree. Your dreams and and the vision got half of your life. They cannot be stopped. If God before you, who can be against you? He that begun the good work in your life. He knows how to complete it. He said you're going to the other side. Church, we're not always going to be online. Let me rephrase that. We'll always be online, but we're going to have the opportunity to physically meet in this place that I'm speaking from right now. You're going to get to worship together and dance together and hold hands together and carry one another's burdens together. You're coming back to church because God's given us a word. Not to go to the side, just to come back home to this place. And guess what? You'll have to do it with no fear and you'll do it with the mission that Jesus gave you in mind. Now, Jesus got over to the other side, the Gadarenes. He was met by a man who was possessed by many spirits. He delivers this man uh, by casting the, the devil out of him. And this man is now dressed, clothed in his right mind, and he's telling everybody in the town about Jesus, and they're amazed about him. Do you know what happens when you go to the other side? You begin to touch the lives of people you were ordained to touch. People become re- reached or set free. Cities and towns, they take on a different narrative and context. I want to pray for you today that you don't lose hope because you just need to remember what he said to you. There'll be opposition for what he said. But guess what? He didn't forget what he said. And as long as you're with him, you can always have what he said. Don't give up hope. Don't lose heart. Don't think that he's forgotten. He cares about you. The test wasn't so he can mark you a failure. The test was so that you can see as long as Jesus is in the boat, you're always, you're always going to have what he said. Take heart. Don't lose courage. Lord, I pray for these, my friends. You will bless them keep them. For those of you, them who don't have you as their Lord and Savior, which puts you in their boat, I pray that they will say yes to you. They would say, Jesus, I believe you die for me. You live for me. You die for me. God raised you from the dead. And with this confession from my heart, I'm no longer lost, but I'm found. I'm saved in Jesus' name. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for having confidence that you're going to make it and get to the other side and fulfill your destiny and purpose because Jesus is in your boat. I love you so much, but the best thing I can tell you is God loves you most. Love you. See you soon.